everyone you know and love is dead. Do I have your attention now? 60% of the world's population has been wiped out by a cordyceps brain infection. Okay? What are you going to do? I'm going to tell you. In the survival special of the Tony Catwell Shit Show. Sponsor of this week's podcast is now. You know, now the streaming platform, yeah, they're kind of a big deal, so don't fuck this up for me. <laughs> but they're sponsoring this podcast. Hi, now. Thanks very much for sponsoring this podcast. Um, and did you know that on now, streaming from now, you can watch The Last of Us, the HBO show starring The Mandalorian's Pedro Pascal and Game of Thrones' Bella Ramsey. Let me tell you why you need to give this show a shot. If you're a fan of this podcast, you know that I love the game that this show is based on. It's considered by some one of the greatest games of all time. I would certainly say that. I would also say, for me, it's the greatest story I've ever seen told in a video game, and that's the base of this story. It also has the original creator of the game, Neil Druckmann, who's writing it, who's directing it. You've also got Craig Mazin, the Emmy Award-winning director and creator of Chernobyl. He's writing and directing it. The two have come together like a beautiful, stable nuclear reactor, and they're making this show for HBO, so you know it's going to have a stacked budget. And it's a post-apocalyptic show. 20 years after the fall of mankind, due to a cordyceps brain infection outbreak, you have Joel and Ellie trying to get across the country, right? Trying to survive, being chased by fellow survivors, by clickers, and all sorts of infected undead. I don't know if that's a trademark word with a different franchise. I don't think it is. <laughs> but anyway, we'll find out soon enough when I get the notes for this copy that I've just read. But now that copy's out of the way, let me tell you about what we're talking about this week. This is a survival special, right? Uh, I'm going to tell you what I would do in a survival situation, and then luckily, <laughs> we have an actual survivalist, Frank Deegan, member of the Irish survivalist group. He's a doomsday prepper. This guy knows exactly what to do. He, I've never met a man more confident and unfazed in the face of apocalypse, <laughs> which isn't many people. So I've only ever met one, and I've never met a better one than Frank Deegan, and I'm going to be chatting to him later on. And let me tell you, I bought in big time to what he had to say. He could tell me, yeah, and I'm like, I'm there. I'm there. What is the name of the militia you want me to join? <laughs> Who are the people you want me to kill? <laughs> he's not like that at all. Uh, he's a very cool dude. He's just, I mean, essentially what survivalist, survivalism is, is just actually taking the whole camping thing to the nth degree. You know, you go camp and you're like, oh, imagine we have to do this, you know, put ravioli on a fire to feed ourselves, you know. Imagine this was actually civilization. You kind of cater to the idea in your head, but you never actually fully commit to like, oh, no, I actually need to be self-sustaining for, you know, three months. You know, he says two weeks, but we're going get to get into that in a second. I really wanted to talk to him because I know exactly what I would be like in a survivalist situation, and that is dead within the first five minutes after eating a shiny berry. After eating the shiny ones are the good ones, they say. <laughs> Isn't that what they say? They say moss points toward points in the in the direction of danger. Run away, you know. I don't remember any of this shit. I was in the scouts, you know, but I drank cans the whole time. I tell you what I learned in the scouts, don't drink the knockoff version of um, Malibu that they sell in Aldi. That's what you should, that's what I learned in the scouts. Don't drink Cocoa Bay when you're seventeen, is what I learned in the scouts, you know. <laughs> you know, and, I, and I'm for someone who me, I'm talking about who uh, used to draw like the anarchy, you know, uh, logo on all of my textbooks. Right. The anarchy logo. Uh, 
I, I, I don't think there's anyone in the world who needs order more than, <laughs> more than I do. And not just like in my own life in terms of routine. I mean like I need to go to the opticians and there has to be an opticians. Do you know what I mean? Um, like I need I need a fridge because I, I you know, I once had, well, to be fair though, I will have to say, I did once eat a Chinese that was left on the table of my flat for a week. So I think I might actually be all right in a end of the world apocalyptic survivalist situation. You know, my mate Alan came home, he was pissed, left Chinese on the table, left it on the table, then went to bed. I think he went up to do something and then fell asleep and the Chinese left on the table. And I came in, I saw it, and I'm like, it's Alan's, I'm not going to do that. The next morning, I saw the Chinese was still there. And I was like, ah, he's probably just going to eat it the next day. Um, the next day, the Chinese was still there. This is the third day of the Chinese being on the table. And I was like, Alan, what's the story with that? Are you going to have that? And he's like, no, I left it out for three days. And I was like, you're going to change your mind, so I'll put it in the fridge. I put it in the fridge after, on the third day. On the fourth day, I'm like, Alan, that's in the fridge. Like, what's the story? And he's like, stop fucking talking to me about the Chinese. I don't want it. I don't know why you put it in the fridge. You know, someone should have put it in the bin because Alan didn't put it in the bin, right? On the fifth day, I was like, Alan, are you definitely not going to eat that Chinese? <laughs> you're definitely not going to eat that Chinese. And he goes, 100% no. You can have it if you want. And I'm like, nah, nah. That night, I ate the Chinese. And I was... Fine, you know, I was good. I well, I wasn't good. <laughs> I wasn't good. Like I didn't feel good, but I, I didn't die. Ah uh, ah uh, ah! Uh, I didn't die. So, some people have a very strong constitution, which is such a fucking great word for someone who just doesn't get sick. For someone who just gets sick easily, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like if someone just sees something, they're like, oh doesn't sit with me. I'm actually in tune with how my body feels. That is telling me to flee that particular thing, like someone else getting sick or, you know, poop. You know, people get sick. Someone who gets sick easily, you would say, you've got a weak constitution. Is there anything that sounds like, oh, like it would break, destroy your character. His constitution is weak. It's like, oh my God, what does that mean? He saw a bit of poo and he got sick. It doesn't seem, doesn't fit. But I've got a very strong constitution, so maybe I could get away foraging big fucking shiny berries and eating them all, you know? Because I love eating free shit out in the wild. Tell you what it would do, right? This is the first thing I do in a survivalist situation, right? Everyone's dead. I'm thinking, I want a good gaff, and I want it to have a bit of a view, right? First thing I'm doing is I'm going to Arsenuktron, right? I'm going to Arsenuktron, Michael D. Higgins' gaff, and I'm taking that kip over, right? And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hit up all the freezers, get all the ice cream, and I'm going to turn that kip into Arsene Uktaroche. I'm going to be eating ice cream all day in the President's Gaff, in Arsene Uktaroche. And I'll change the name of the sign. I'll spray paint it over with an anarchy thing. Arsene, anarchy A, Rasan Uktaroche will be on the sign now. And I'll eat his dogs. If they're alive. <laughs> That's the other thing. That's the other thing. I would bring up so as I, I, I chat to Frank Deegan about this and he's you know and I quote something he said in a previous interview he said in an interview which I think is another quote that is just maybe just it's a common quote but he said it as well that you know after three days after 72 hours you're not going to die of hunger but you'd be very fucking hungry you know what I mean you'd be hungry enough to do something that you wouldn't do within, within normal society and I think at about 28 hours, I'd be recommended we eat, <laughs> we eat the dead, you know? 
because I, ca- I can't fully figure out why we don't already. That's kind of one of my, like, scorching hot takes is that we should eat our dead. You know? I don't want to talk more about it because I think that's – I'm already kind of on a fine line about that right now. I reckon it would get to, like, hour 28, and I'd be, like, lightly recommended. I wouldn't be mad if we just started eating everyone. <laughs> like, as a light kind of, you know. It's kind of, you know, like, when you are where you're, like, you know you shouldn't have McDonald's, but you're, like, chatting to your wife, and you're, like, look, we're not getting McDonald's. And you're just setting the groundwork. You're putting it out there, you know. Um, we're not getting it. Well, we actually just get it. You know, you know, and you, th- you feel like you've had like a real good, arg- you know, conversation about it, but you really haven't. You've just said the thing, so the word is out there. You know, it's like it's like with a pint. It's like it's like when you're having three pints, and you know, and and that's like a Tuesday night, and you're like, we get we we're not getting another fourth. We're not getting another pint. We get another pint. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So I'd be like, we're not gonna eat the dead. Should we eat our dead? <laughs> you know, people would be like literally like, it's. <laughs> it's like four o'clock the next day. The fall, the fall of modern civilization has happened, right? There's martial law. Sixty percent of the world's population are dead. We're huddled there together. There's a couple of dead, unfortunately, have passed. Luckily, they weren't bitten by clickers, so they're not going to come back as cordyceps infected. I think I'll be pushing it pretty early, you know. Okay, so we've got um, four pot noodles, but there's about twelve of us now. Well, we could eat the president. We could eat the president's dog as well. What was that? We're not going to eat the president's dog. And then I'll try and catch eyes with someone, see if they can give me a nod, being like, you, you into this idea of eating the president's dog? Look, I brought you into Arsanuk to roach you. Can I just say my first command as king is to eat the dog? <laughs> right? As ice cream king? Can I say my first command as the king of ice cream is that we eat the dog? <laughs> oh, new sponsor. I'm, I'm giddy. But I also can't stress how, how bad I would be in a crisis. I had the lads over one time and I put a pizza in the oven. And it and I was a bit I had a bit of a head cold, so I didn't really know what I was doing. And I put it, I put it on with the cardboard, right? The bit of car, the cardboard base underneath. Thing caught on fire, right? I saw it catching on fire. I said nothing. I saw the room full of smoke. I did nothing. I just kept looking at it. And I was like, <laughs> I was almost like someone should do something with this, you know? I was absolutely panicked. It's the most panicked I've ever been. <laughs> Seeing a pizza on fire in my gaff, right? Where there was fire extinguishers and where there was, you know, then Jay goes like, oh, shit, that's on fire. And he just took it out of the oven, put it in the back garden and poured water on it, which he apparently shouldn't have done. Frank told us, tells me later on in the pod. Um, But I, you know, like a pizza on fire is not someone with a machete to your head. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's a few degrees down the panic line, you know, Um, which is why, you know, like, you know, I'm I'm a rapscallion. I'm a raconteur. You know, my wife is in love with me for my humor. If someone had a machete to to us or there was a bloater, big, chunky, armored uh, fungus beast running at us. I can't swear that I wouldn't throw her in front of it. I don't want to do that. You know, (laughs) I can't swear I wouldn't because who knows, you know, everyone has a plan. Until a cordyceps beast is chasing after you. I need the order. You know, I don't respond well to a crisis situation. I can't think very well. I'm like, my first thing would be a crisis situation. I'm like, okay, but how are we all feeling, guys? How are we all feeling? Are we feeling good, though? Are we feeling like we're motivated? Are we feeling like we're going to get out of this, you know? Are you sure all right with me? Someone would be like, you know, okay, Tony, you need to you need to head there. See if there's any supplies. And I'd be like, I don't know what he's talking to me. 
are you all right? Are you okay with me? And I'm like, no, I'm just being fucking quick with you because, you know, there's clickers at the door. They're trying, literally trying to get in here. We just need food. Can you just check in the... Are you all right? Are you okay? Can I just say something? Can I have a team meeting, guys? Is everyone all right with me? Like, I know we didn't choose this. Should I just go out there and let a clicker eat me? No, just stop. <laughs> you know, I'd be like that. And I also wouldn't be very good in a situation where, like in a panicked situation, you know? I once had a pizza catch on fire and I froze, you know? Had the lads over for a games night and I, a pizza caught on fire. I put it in without realizing with the, with the cardboard underneath and it caught on fire. And I was looking at it I was like, and I couldn't say, <laughs> I couldn't scream. <laughs> I couldn't scream. I was like, <gasps> and it was like a tiny bit of smoke. And I'm like, <gasps> and then Jago popped in while he was getting a beer and he was like, oh shit, the pizza's on fire. Just took it with his fucking bare hand, put it in the back garden, poured water on it. <laughs> and I was like, <gasps> I had to sit down. I was shook. And a pizza on fire in your own oven is not someone holding a machete to your head. <laughs> it is not near uh, someone holding a machete to your head or a demon trying to, you know, tear your throat out, you know? So um, it is It is a little bit down the line in terms of, like, high-pressure situations, and I couldn't really handle that shit, you know? So, um so I'm, I plead with you to maintain order, <laughs> you know. So let's recap. I've become High King of Ireland, um, the Ice Cream King, uh, President of Arasan Uktarocha, and I've maybe at this point been ousted by my tribe for suggesting we eat some of the dogs at like a week, you know, a day into the crisis, the, the catastrophe. Okay, so that's pretty bad. Then what would probably happen is I'll probably go into Phoenix Park starving, trying to eat one of the deer. Um, I would, it would be very clear early on that they're much faster than me and after about two hours I'd be like fuck this you know I'd chase after a deer being come here be chasing there with a bib and a knife and fork right and then eventually I'd be like fuck this eat something shiny like a berry I find on the ground shit myself and die it's, I've always thought this is the way I'd go you know and from how the mighty have fallen from the high king of ice cream to now shitting yourself with a little red berry you know actually before we get on to Frank I forgot I am at war with ChatGPT. You know, the AI, every week I'm going to be picking a random word and then I am going to um, write a joke about that word and have ChatGPT do the same. And each week you can tell me who you think wins. This week's word is fever, right? It was decided last week on the Patreon. Um, and this is my joke. Oh, do you hear, um, do you hear Lisa Kudrow is after opening a, a self-service Vindaloo curry shop. Yeah, she's after calling it Fever Buffet. Really good. You are laughing. I was holding for laughter. Let's see what chat, <laughs> what chat GPT has. Why was the fever feeling so bad? Because it had a high temperature. That is not even Christmas cracker, granny cracker level bad joke. Another one for me and for humanity. Dab, here's Frank D. So I'm chatting to Frank Deegan. Frank is a former officer in the Merchant Navy, uh, now electrical engineer and um, survivalist, and a member of the Irish Survivalist Group, which is a 3,000-strong uh, member group, um, well-vetted, as I saw you mentioned in a previous interview, a well-vetted group, um, who are essentially preparing as best they can in case of an emergency. Now, you, Frank, you've kind of become the go-to uh, survivalist expert. I've seen you on One Day, Keeping Ireland Safe, the TV show there. Uh, you're on Brendan O'Connor. You, you know, you've been on radio. In fact, you were even on um, who is it you were on? You were on um, 
you were on the radio with someone, and this was just pre-COVID. Ray Darcy? It wasn't Ray Darcy. Who was it? Sorry. No, I know who it was. It was in Cork, and it was pre-COVID, and it was coming up to COVID. It was. Com- I did mention that. I did mention that. Uh, what happens if there was uh, some kind of epidemic going on? And they were there. Yeah, they were laughing oh, at you. This is happened. this was February, uh, February twenty twenty, um, and they were like, "What kind of so Frank? What kind of example? You know?" And you were like, "Well, COVID nineteen. You know, that's on the horizon." And they're like, "That's no worse than the flu." <laughs> I thought it, I'd I written hit that. A nail on the head. And I said, yeah. "Lads, you can't yeah. start laughing at us anymore." Like, you know, um, <laughs> we're, only, we're 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 basically just a big group, three thousand ish. You know, so there's there's um, there's quite a lot of us that meet up on a regular basis. Now we're due to meet up again on the eleventh of March. Mm. I'm actually going out with a few of the lads on February, but eleventh of March would be a main meet up. So around the country, we'll all end up heading down towards Care County Tipperary, where we have a a big woods down there that we use Quilter property. And we'll meet up there, and we could have up to 80 to 100 people down there. Wow. So it gets really, really big. That sounds great. And it's almost it, like a mini, it, a mini commune. It, well, that's, yeah, that's a bit scary as well, you see. We have to work on, if it gets that big, we got to work on the practicality of um, where you're going to use the toilets and stuff. Yeah. How much timber have we got in there to use again, everybody, you know. So, so we actually worked it out years ago, uh, and we built toilets, and everything was... Um, you know, everything was uh, was was user friendly. We got permissions from everybody, and mm. and eventually we had you know, TV cameras and all following. So ear to the ground, we were with us for a weekend, and wow. so um, and that was a start of what, where we where we started. We we really basically started off sitting around the campfire talking shite, to be honest. With you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. And, and, and next thing you know, we're on the, on the, up in in Donnybrook in Dublin, and uh, yeah. Up there on live TV with Brendan O'Connor. This is great. Great fact. But it kind of touches on, I mean, there's a reason for it. Everyone has an interest in this. Um, everyone kind of deep down has an interest on it. And, and I think a lot of people just kind of put it as one of these kind of like, oh, well, that's a nice theory or try and be a bit pessimistic about it, you know, being like, can you believe these people think this is the way this is going? But I think we always come back to it because we... <laughs> we kind of know it's, it's inevitable in, in in our lifetime now, or or in thousands of years' time, that you know that oh. it happens cyclically. So civilizations crumble, and then things happen. They do. They you do. Know? And actually, there's a theory out there that, that millions of years ago there was another other civilizations on planet Earth, mm-hmm. and they're just done. But that, I mean, that's just an old theory, but. No, it's something um, that I believe. I mean, I've I've seen, I've I've heard things about you know them misdating the Sphinx, believing that it actually was thousands and thousands of years before they think, yeah, you know, yeah. not three thousand BC, even, but maybe thirty thousand BC. Even even the pyramids, like yeah. I don't know how exactly they were built, because that's a hell of a beat in fairness. There's like eighty tons each every brick, and there's a million of them. I yeah. mean, why why would you do something that that hard? It has to be an easy way to do it, or that Machu Picchu the way the stones are carved. It. Sure. They're, you can't even get a credit card in between them. That's yeah. Finally cut. Yeah. So um, I'm thinking I, I don't go delve into that theory sure. at all, but I'm open-minded, very open-minded. Point that you just can't really take everything for granted, you know, that at any point it could could happen. I mean, I think a lot of people are curious, and I feel like you've unfortunately become the go-to survival guy, and if anything does happen, there's going to be a lot of people knocking at your door, being like, Frank, now look, you know. (laughs) That's what they say, that happens will come to you, and I say, no, you won't. You have to look after yourself. Um, I lean towards prepping as well, so I'm I'm an avid prepper as well as a survivalist. Survivalist basically says, I don't have any threats. I can turn around and I'll be able to manufacture my own 
equipment and um, uh, shelters and make water filters and all the kind of stuff that will keep sure. you alive. You family. Whereas prepping is preparing yourself with X amount of uh, weeks or months of food mm-hmm. and equipment. Like like I just spoke to you earlier where, where I have each HF um, uh, CB radios so you can talk around the world and I have local radios then that can talk. We will use repeaters on mountains. Mm. And that repeater network is already set up by um, certain organizations here, but we can just piggyback on them. That's no big, big deal. During yeah. an emergency, yeah. absolutely. But you can send text videos. You can do con calls over these analog systems, and they mm-hmm. are primarily analog. So they've all been adapted. So we've been learning that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's one area of our preparedness, survival, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a great hobby uh, itself. I, I enjoy doing that. It's, 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 it gives you something to do. Like, you know, you can have a hobby that's to play chess or, or, or uh, play pool or snooker or something. That's fine and dandy, and I do all that as well. But um, I think the hobby of survival and prepping is is the righteous one. And, you know, no, I get it. I it's it's kind of there. a... It's kind of next level. I mean, it's we all we all go camping and we all have these kind of what if scenarios, you know. And it, this is the next level. Like this is like no, no, no. Like let's not just stop here at like we bring a fridge and we bring a cooler. Like physically, what would we do for sustenance? It's it's the sure. it's it's the kind of the end level of, of what we do. Well, as you said, what would we do? We didn't have a fridge. I mean, people would scoff and laugh at that. But we turn around, we say, well, hang on a second. You actually have a good point there. So we think about it, work out how the details. And uh, I mean. How did they do it uh, 300 years ago, mm. 200 years ago? They hadn't got electricity, so how did they do it? So we've been learning yeah. from the old methods as well. So, I mean, um, back in the day, they had ice houses. They used to mm-hmm. food down there. Um, they used to import ice from um, uh, uh, Greenland. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a business in itself. I was, thinking, I was thinking today, sorry, I had a, I just, I just had some cold grapes from the fridge, and I was thinking to myself, like, there's probably kings have gone by and they probably had everything, banquets and everything, and they probably love grapes. But I bet very few kings actually had them cold. Like, I'm probably living a better life now, yeah. a more comfortable life now than a king would have had. Well, you that, you see, that's a, it's in your, it's in your, you're eating that and you say, oh, how is it cold? How is it too cold? Mm. That's brilliant. I mean, that's, that's uh, kind of on the, on the verge of saying, you know, uh, just a Maya prepper. I was just saying, just that next. <laughs> well, I can't. I mean, well, actually, I'm, you're going into the toilet. I just see the two hundred roses of toilet paper. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I well, don't know actually, where if, that one came out of during the COVID, but that was funny. That was insane. Brennan's. Yeah. Well, for the milk, for the for the snow, it was it was the Brennan's and milk, and then COVID, it was the toilet paper. It and it's weird, but like, but you yeah. kind of saw a herd mentality because I'm like, well, actually, I don't. I, I think we have Brennan's, but maybe I should get some more and. And we weren't getting the right things, you know, but we that, that's like th- that's, you know, three different times that we had to stay indoors and we, we got and there was a shortage of something and maybe not even the right thing. But we all followed the kind of herd mentality. You, you said something in an interview before you said you, um, there's 72 hours away from anarchy that you won't mm, die in yeah. hunger in three days, but you'll get bloody hungry and you'll have a hunger pains that will drive you to do anything, essentially. That is you know? exactly right. Yeah, yeah, that is human nature. Yeah. Um, if you have a father and he has a couple of kids and they're all going to starve him at home, get hungry, Daddy, I want, I want. He, it's going to get anxious, you know. Yeah. It's going to get, I've got to get that food for the kids because they're still hungry if I come home without food. Yeah. So it, it will drive, it, the, the, there's an inherent drive in people where, um, yeah, I, I've often said as well, it, uh, our infrastructure is based on 
on, on it next day, kind of within 72 hours, mm. um, or oil or food imports, they all come in on containers. Now, what if we have no more oil for the ships to bring them in? Right. We're, then we have whatever's on the country. That's it. There's nothing else coming in yeah. to save for a month or so. Um, then you're going to see rationing and you're going to see people panicking and you're going to see shop owners putting the price, zumping the price, stuff yeah. like that. Well, can yeah. I ask you about that, this this specific encounter? I mean, what do you, in terms of like being prepared for a national or or global emergency? Uh, I mean, what specific events are you preparing or prepared for? Yeah, okay. The, the, the latest one is is with Putin and his nuclear uh, option. You know, he's there sure. saying now we're going to nuclear. So look, we're downwind of that. We're not going to hit nuclear, right? But we're downwind of UK. France, you know, if the wind is blowing the east, we're in trouble because yeah. uh, that's nuclear wind and, and, and dust particles and stuff that lands on our crops here. We can't eat anything. Mm. We can't let the cows or the sheep or any of that stuff. They're going to eat the grass. We can't eat the cows. We can't eat the sheep. There's a knock-on effect to all of that kind of stuff. Mm. What can you do about it? Not a hell of a lot. Yeah. Um, so you, 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 you stress yourself out trying to think of a way around it. But, you know, to be honest, there's no real fix for that. It, it's Get into your bunker for two weeks. Yes, two, yeah. two weeks is more than enough to be out of the line, out of the uh, dust. And you know, you, you cover up your windows. You get, but as I said, there's just, there's a huge um, there's a huge uh, battle plan we have there that, that works around what to do in that situation. It depends on where you are exactly. So I'm in Waterford, woman, South Kilkenny. So we are what hundred miles from. From, from the UK coast. Mm. Uh, you got Swansea and you got Cardiff, all main cities there, probably get nuked. That's, yeah. that's what we're surmising. Mm. Um, is Dublin going to get nuked? Belfast probably will. So, I mean, that's north, so the wind goes south. You know? sure. you, you'd really crack up trying to think of it all. So, we basically know that, okay, let's keep a very close eye on it if a nuclear bomb goes off somewhere very close. Yeah. So, we'll have a plan of action to, to work. Okay, she's coming from the south. Right, lads, everybody south, move westwards. Now, we do have a, a, an underground area that we have, and you know, we have to keep it very quiet. I have had a, a guy from, actually, who's XRTE, he's down here lately, mm. and he was trying his best to get to know where this location is. <laughs> and it will hold up to about two to 300 people. So it's there, really? and we have a all the big wigs, all the big well. wigs in Donnybrook trying to get the skinny on where this location is. Yeah, well, no, that's not going to happen too easy either. But to be honest with you, lads, um, I spoke to the Minister of Defence a couple of years ago, and the two was were in an attic in his house. I was working in his house, and I had a half an hour talking to him. Mm. I asked him about the bunkers. He he's the only one I know. He said, don't kind of panic for it. And I said, ah, come on, will you? You know? Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't, I don't think he even knew. I don't think he even thought of Minister of Defence. What do I need that for? No. Sure, yeah, that, yeah. That was his attitude. Yeah. But my attitude is, at least you have some place to go. Mm-hmm. So in the event of a really, really big nuclear um, incident, we know that we can, and our group, we're all in our group, we all know where to go for that occasion if it was caught. So I just say no more on that, but I won't give location or anything. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. No, but uh, well, you tell me off, uh, off, uh, off, Mike. You mentioned there just in a nuclear situation, you obviously, or, or I don't know, like say, if there's just, if there, as you said, if there's dust, if there's a situation you just physically can't go outside, you know, yeah. would you would you recommend that everyone have a kind of two week, you know, sustenance kind of kit to have in the, in their home? 
That is absolutely 100%. Do you know what? If you have two weeks or even a week, mm. seven days to 10 days even, of food in for, for every person in the house, per person, that doesn't take up much space. That takes up a limited amount of space and, it's, and you can do long life food. Um, it, it's, it's there in the event as well. Just say this time 60 years ago, 1963, was the big freeze event in the UK and Ireland. Mm. And for 13 weeks, they did actually freeze them. The, the rivers froze, the ships couldn't come up with their cargoes. The coal was 100% or 100% dependent on, on coal for their fuel. And this, because I know all this, I was only watching the documentary a few days ago. Mm. And they had no food, they had no water, and they had no fuel. I mean, um, that's 13 weeks of hell but, and without telecommunications. So, they really had to go on and, and groups of people in their areas and the army trying to get to everywhere. But that was huge. I mean, that, that can happen again this year. That'd be you hard, know, though. I mean, he's, as you mentioned there, if you're pairing into groups, most people don't know their neighbors now. What kind of community are you are you starting? Because uh, it's all on digital, you know. I could obviously get a community together on a WhatsApp group. But if I'm yeah. actually looking for, you know, <laughs> a way of getting food to someone and it's only dangerously by foot, you know, that's that's a yeah, different if story. For, if you're looking for a group in your local area, I mean, where do you live? In, Dub- in Dublin, South Dublin. Okay, say in Dublin. So, I mean, if you have a group in Dublin and you're a tight group, like so, you, you need to have a pre-organized group way ahead of any event because you get every nutcase coming out of the woodwork <laughs> when when they're uh, when they're under stress. Trust me, that is absolutely one hundred percent. But we did talk about that as well. That's why. I, we have about 3,000 members in our group. We vet just about everybody. Mm. So I'll have a, we scout, there's a couple of uh, 10 admins and stuff, and we do scout out the numbers, and we get rid of a lot of people. Mm. But if you look at similar groups to ours, there's 20, 30,000 members, we keep it tight. So most of the people you see on our groups are all Irish, and we are in communication with most of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, there's, guards, there's going to be a few that will slip through. You'll always get that. But we have seriously active members a hundred and they're the guys that you want to bank on you, i want to be able to count on a few of the guys from that group because i know one's a butcher one's a carpenter one's a builder one's a plumber uh one's a, a couple of them, doctors nurses all of them all of them traits that are needed in the event of a major emergency and um, you know it's, it's nice to have that little fallback and peace of mind if it does happen what's um of of well, actually on that because if you have, so you're saying obviously you've a group of people that you could firmly rely on i mean even not all three thousand, but you probably know the people you could <laughs> i yeah. once just burned a pizza and i caught on fire and i froze <laughs> and i didn't know what yeah. to do and i was just with a pizza on fire my mate jago actually had to come out with an oven glove because i was just frozen still and he walked it out threw it outside and put some water on it or whatever um and it made me realize that you don't <laughs> it's just a pizza but you don't realize how you're going to act until something dangerous happens or you see something dangerous you know yeah. um yeah have you have you any advice for someone like me who probably will freak out? <laughs> um, no, uh, people in in, in um, panic mode. I don't know if you're listening to. I was just at the Ray Darcy there. He was talking to there today. He was talking to a guy who's a helicopter pilot. He's an Irish guy from Waterford. Mm. He, he flies helicopters. He was on that volcano down in near New Zealand when 20 people got killed, he was there, he was dragging people out of water, mm. his helicopter's still down there. He went into survival mode, he said he didn't know how he did it, but he seemed to be the only calm one out of the whole group. Everybody else just froze with fear. 
their skin burning off, whatever, what do you do in this situation? Mm. A lot of them died because they just stopped and they didn't know what to do. He got them all into the water. Lads fixed them out of that boat out there. There's nobody on it. And at the same time, other boats started coming in and he went back and rescued a lot of other people. It, we don't know until we're in a situation where there's, where there's, there's high stress load on you. You know, burning the pizza, that's only one out of one out of ten. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I, I was and it just killed me. It crippled me, Frank. Blowing on it, scrape away the black stuff. <laughs> <and it. laughs> Instead of dabbing it in water. Um, well, we didn't know. We all we all didn't know what to do. But he was the he was I a sound mind. People burning their dinner and having a frying pot, and, and one one actually, I seen one guy and he had a deep fried fryer and he had it in his hand and put it into the sink. And I said, whatever the hell you do, do no. not touch water yeah. onto uh, onto hot oil. Oil. And I roared and shouted at this guy. I couldn't get into his house. I was mm. looking through a window in the apartment block. God. And I said, if you touch that, I'm going to go in and go and beat the head off you. <laughs> do not put water near oil. You never learn that. You know, and he's there and he's tempted to do it. Because, I mean, I was getting ready for this guy to die. Mm-hmm. It was just flared up and basically gone up. The he panicked. Yeah. So it, it depends on your level of, of, of training as well. You know, I, I consider myself highly trained in a lot of, uh, a lot of um, situations and uh, and I, I don't panic too easy. Mm. I don't really panic too much at all. So I'm, I'm, I'm level-headed as I can be. Can you but tell us again, of, a, of, a, of a time maybe that like um, you used some of your, your prepping or survivalist skills in, in a real-world scenario? Um, okay, well, years ago, how I really got into prepping so I was back in the day when I was in the Navy, we were delivering a ship from Southampton to uh, Yugoslavia at the time. Mm. And it was a call of 3,600 ton lightning barge. They're very, very slow, but it was just shipping off A to B. And we were delivery crew. And the, sh- the war broke out, and we were in Yugoslavian waters. So mm-hmm. Croatia, Hertz, Bosnia, all of them places. So we actually ran out of food. We ran out of water on the ship because the ship wasn't designed for long-term living. We were kind of hop, skipping, and staying in hotels as we went down. Like, it was really, it was really a unique situation we were in. But we ended up staying on that for the next six months or so, but we ended up also buying long-term food, and we used to hide them all over the place for ourselves, mm. extra water containers. We started to learn how to what food is good, what would last, what would go, you know, what kind of mix and match of food. That would do five of us. So five of us had to survive. And uh, it took us ages to get out of that situation where we got the ship. I think wow. we eventually let the ship over in Greece, and we scalped her we got the company came and took us out. But um, that was a, a little hair-raising one because we were mm. also in war-torn areas, so we're on sure. a bit stressed. So um, if that was my earliest encounter. I was back then; it was in my late twenties. So, wow. yeah. What, what, um, what, what have you found? I noticed is a weird, a weird pivot. But what have you found is the tastiest, or dried, or canned food? Oh, geez. Do you know how it's spaghetti bolognese from the English Army? Brilliant stuff. It's, yeah, uh, MREs. <laughs> yeah, meals ready to eat. They call it. Yeah, and spaghetti bolognese is fantastic. I don't know what they have the, as as preservatives and stuff, but my God, it's lovely. Every time I get my hands on it, I can't leave it. It's <laughs> and I, I'm going to eat that. For a little long and we do. We, we actually yeah. do end up doing that a lot of the time. We sit around camp. We bring our end of life stuff with us, and we all taste it as well. And you know, sitting around the campfire having a few beers, eat this kind of food, yeah. fantastic for morale. Like you know, and uh, just basically to you know yap about it and. Um, we do, we do. There is possible. There is ways as well of making your own deep freezing. Uh, it's called um, freeze drying. 
Mm. And it lasts up to 25 years. Really? So you rehydrate it again. That equipment, again, is like expensive. So mm. um, I think there's one guy in Waterford. He's one of our, one of our groupies. Next group. He's bought one, and I haven't heard yet how it's done. So we're going to see see now, now down the road. In, ter- you, you, in terms of the kind of the, the prepper pack, you know, obviously having two weeks of food, um, in The Last of Us, the standard survival backpack, they'd have alcohol, binding, scissors, a canister, a can to hold something in. They'd have an ex- some form of an explosive, a rag, uh, a bit of sugar. How do, you, how, do you, how do you rate that as a survival backpack? Alcohol? Why would you want alcohol? Uh, well, they, in, the, have- in the game, it would be for kind of your wounds. Um, my one would definitely be water filter. Okay, because you can go without three weeks approximately without food. So you always trust the past survivalist. That's one. Mm. Okay, because um, you have a bit of blubber. But uh, water is the number one issue. So you can't only go for the days without water. So water filtration, that's guaranteed. That has to be uh, top of the list. Mm-hmm. Um, heat and fire, it's, it's a, a mental thing as well. If you're in a situation where you're in stress, you're out, out of your house or out, out in the woods, a fire is number one priority as mm-hmm. well. And be able to make fire. So fire making equipment, flint steel, Maybe a knife then as well that you can use with the fire. So everything kind of works with itself. So everything like water, you get boiled water mm. using from the fire. So um, the ability then to be able to make your shelters. Mm. Uh, one tarp will keep you out of the rain, but it also helps you stay dry as well. Uh, so um, dried food. Okay, dried you want food. to bring a minimum amount of dried food. I had one there yesterday because spaghetti bolognese in, in the steel. In, in a metal packet, which means you can boil the water in the same packet as well. Mm. Um, I had that. It's I have one in my car, in my van. I have kind of a bug out box that I bring with me out the whole time. And I just did a demo on it. So I have torch. Another thing is the torch. You want to have it absolutely 100% so light. So we're going to light, fire, water, shelter, uh, food. I think they are the primary ones. Uh, you can start adding to your kit sure. then axe for your timber, sure. bigger axe, Rope. Right, that one. Well, so paracord, mm. you tie your 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 tarps and stuff. That's that's kind of one that's always in all the kits. A bit of paracord, a bit of cordage. Mm. Um, and do you do you teach do you, do you teach survival skills as well? I I don't not necessarily, but I just find that in a big group and I have a lot of people that they want to do certain things. Yeah, I don't mind doing that. But it's just I find find the time to do it uh, would be extremely busy. Sure. Um, as I said, I work for the multinational uh, media company, so um, I can't mention any names. Uh, you know. <laughs> do you, and do you ever find like if you ever have to deal with customers, do you ever just think I'd love just the world to end, and you and me end up in the woods? I could show you. Oh, I, <laughs> I could show you I what a real man looks like. I said it to myself. I said, "Oh my God, you're not getting into my bunker." <laughs> Frank, I really, really appreciate uh, you taking the time to speak to me. I really, really do. That was that was great. It was a pleasure talking to you, and there's no one at all. And uh, look, anything you need, any more chatter and voice, give us. I'll definitely, I'll definitely be in touch again, and maybe you might have me and a bunch of gormless dubs coming out, and you can teach us how to live in no the woods sometime. We have a load of dubs coming down the whole time. <laughs> That's great. Coming. So it's the Irish Survivalist Group, uh, and you can meet us on Facebook if people are interested in learning a bit more. Facebook, yeah, yeah Irish Survivalist Group, ISG. Um, yeah, you can look us up. And we've also got the Irish Pepper Network as well. 
Irish Prepper Network. Frank, thank you so much. Really appreciate the chat. Thanks, buddy. Take care now. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thanks. So listen, thank you very much. Thank you very much for watching this show. Thank you very much to Frank. If you want to find out more about him, you can do so over on the Irish Survivalist Group on Facebook. And I want to thank, of course, the sponsor of this week's podcast, Now, where you can watch The Last of Us streaming now, available with a Now Entertainment membership. Thanks very much for watching. And if you like this show and you want to hear more from me, and you want to hear more of those chat GPT jokes that I did. I did a whole episode on it. I did five jokes where I tried to best in AI in terms of humor. And that was just last week. And you can find that over on patreon.com forward slash Tony Cantwell. As well, access early bird access to all of live dates that I announce for the rest of the year uh, that I put on myself. You can get early bird tickets over there. And it's only for the price of a pint a month. Actually, it's less than the price of a pint. They've asked for a pint the price of Guinness recently. So for less than the price of a pint. Huh? You can be helping me out, and you also get four extra podcasts every single week. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, Frank Deegan. All the best. Bye bye.